You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Thank you. Oh, good morning. You can turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. It is really great for uh, Mary Lou and me to get to be here. We've been here since Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon and I have to go back Tuesday. But welcome uh, to the service again if you're a guest. And uh, I bring you greetings from the New York church on the other side of the coast. It was great to uh, walk along the beach in Redondo uh, earlier in the week. It is absolutely nothing like the Jersey Shore beach. Except their water and waves. That's about the only thing that they have in common. Uh, we're very glad to be here. Uh, Brian and Dessa have lived here in this area and been part of the L.A. church here for almost 23 years. So we've been coming out here a long time to see them. And a lot of uh, you that we, we knew before that in Colorado, a bunch of us go back to uh, Colorado days and it's always great to see you. I appreciate the things Brian shared. Actually, Brian is one of my heroes. Uh, I'm so, yeah, I know, uh, if it's true. I'm so uh, very proud of him and appreciative for him. I can't believe he's as old as he is now and what that kind of, where that kind of puts me in life. But uh, I'm very appreciative for him and what he means to you and the church and Dessa and their kids and uh, amen. It's just a good thing to be alive and be a Christian, I'm telling you. Uh, as Brian said, we're thinking about the idea today where Jesus says, I will be with you always. And this comes from a very, very familiar passage uh, to us in Matthew chapter 28. As Jesus is nearing the end of his life, he's been crucified. He's come back to life. And it says in verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I am surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I will be with you always, Jesus said. Many years ago, we were living in Brooklyn and in an apartment building and uh, parking was very difficult. So I kept my car in a parking garage that was about 10 minutes walk from our apartment building. And uh, Brooklyn at that time was not quite as gentrified as it is now, where we, the street we lived on was really great. The street the parking garage was on was really scary. And you'd come out of the parking garage and it was an angled street. You could see our apartment building up at the end of the street about, again, about 10 minutes walk. It was a very dark street. It was a little scary, but you know, so uh, one night I came into the garage and a car pulled in behind me and a woman got out and I recognized her as another resident of our apartment building. 
I didn't know her very well. I'd seen her just in passing. She recognized me. She said, I am so glad to see you. She said, I never come home this late at night alone, but I know you're going the same place I'm going so I can walk with you. And I'm thinking, okay, but if anything happens, I'm a runner, not a fighter. I will be gone. And you will be on your own. I didn't say those things and we made it back safely. When times are hard, when times are challenging, when times are frightening, when times are uncertain, we want somebody to be with us. Jesus charged here in one respect is very mind boggling because he looked at 11 men and he said, all I want you to do is to go to the whole world and teach people about me so that they come to a point of faith and conversions. You can baptize them. You can keep teaching them. And I'm going to be with you always. You know, I think what he said represents more than just what we call evangelism. Because he was saying to them, in essence, you have become like me. You've been with me for three years now. You've come to understand why I came, what I'm about, what I'm trying to do. You've taken on my perspective, my values, my heart, my concerns, my goals, my dreams. And so now you can go and continue to spread this message. And you know, that's really why we share our faith, isn't it? Because we've come to care about the things that Jesus cares about. And we've come to take on his perspective. But this challenge was and still is great, isn't it? Because it means we have to love the unlovable. It means we have to get out of our comfort zones very often. It means we have to keep loving and persevering when we're rejected, when we're misunderstood, when nobody seems to care. It means we have to deny ourselves. It means we have to try to live a consistently good example kind of life so that when you do invite a coworker to church, they don't say, are you kidding me? You're a Christian. It means we have to conquer our fears. In Genesis, it says we are made in the image of God. And that's such a profound concept that we have an intelligence unlike God's in one sense, but obviously different from animals, that we have some of the same emotions that God has, except we possess one character trait that God does not in any way, shape, or form, and that's fear. We are fearful sometimes. When we think about the challenges that we face, we are fearful sometimes. I think these 11 men who heard this message from Jesus must have had some kind of trepidation because right away he says, now look, I'm going to be with you. If you're studying the Bible, you can be afraid of what it will mean in your life if you become a Christian. I appreciate very much in our fellowship, our teams who are disciples. Amen. Amen. 
Because it can be an extra hard time in life to be a disciple, to be a Christian in some ways. But if you're contemplating that, you can feel like, well, what will it mean? What will I have to give up? What will I have to become like? What will my life be like? And I think for all of us, it can be fearful as even when we've been Christians for a while, we open the word or sometimes somebody sits down across uh, the table from us and says, have you ever thought about where you are with this? I'm like, oh my, I got to keep changing. That's exciting. It's fearful though. Can I keep doing this for the rest of my life? Can I give generously and still have enough to live on? Can I, whatever it is. But Jesus is saying here that the presence of God conquers and overcomes our fears. God never asks us to do what he will not help us accomplish. And he's always promised to be with us. Just listen as I share some passages with you. Don't even take the time to to turn to them, but just some of the things that God says to people when they were facing challenges. Way back in the Old Testament, Isaac. Isaac, the the son of Abraham, Isaac, who grew up with great privilege, but Isaac, who was facing famine and uncertainty. And in Genesis 26, 3, God says to Isaac, stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. Next generation, Isaac's son, Jacob. If you know that story, pretty interesting, fascinating story. These twin boys, lots of rivalry. Uh, The younger stole from the other. He's running for his life. And again, he'd been a rather, it seems, spoiled young man. And now he's afraid. And Genesis 31, the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers, to your relatives. I will be with you. God's given him some success, but now he's got to go back and face his past. And he's afraid. And God says, go back because I will be with you. Fast forward some time. The Jews have been in Egypt for more than 400 years. They've been in bondage now. There's very difficult times. God's sending a champion, Moses. Moses thinks it's a great idea for somebody to go rescue them. Except when he figures out that it's supposed to be him. And he is very afraid and makes a lot of excuses. And in Exodus 3, God said to Moses, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God said, Moses, calm down. Because I'm going to be with you. The next generation, they've wandered in the wilderness. The whole generation has died Moses has died. Joshua's taking over the leadership. And again, I think it was a a scary thing. They're getting ready finally to take this land. But all the people in this land were not just going to pack up and say, oh, you're here. Okay, time for us to go. They had some challenges ahead. Joshua 1, God said, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses So I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. 
you follow the history of, of the Israelites, the Jews, God's people, they had lots of ups and downs. Sometimes God allowed their enemies to come against them, to humble them and cause them to turn back to him. Such a time it happened, God's chosen another leader to bring them out of the bondage they're in. His name is Gideon. He also is very afraid. Judges 6. To Gideon, the Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. And 300 men overcame 120,000. Because God was with them. A couple of more. Um, they had King Saul, David, Solomon. The kingdom's going to be split because of some disobedience. A man named Jeroboam is chosen to take part of the kingdom. Again, this is a, a frightening thing for him because he, in a sense, has to rebel against the, the establishment, even though it's in the will of God. But God said to him, if you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me and do what's right in my eyes, by obeying my decrees and my commands, as David, my servant, did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built for David and will give Israel to you. That's 1 Kings eleven thirty-eight. One more. I love this one. You know, uh, by a few hundred more years, uh, the, the time had come when God was trying to prepare his people for the, really the consequences of their idolatry. And he gives them these mixed messages through Isaiah first. Challenging, troubling, difficult times are going to come. It's your own fault, but I will take care of you. Isaiah 43, verse 2, God says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you in blaze because he said what? Repeat it after me. I will be with you. Let's say it again. I will be with you. That's the consistent message on to Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And from the prophets, God is saying, I will be with you. Same message when you get the New Testament. We've seen it where Jesus said, I'll be with you. A few years later, Paul is in Corinth. He's preaching. Trouble comes. Opposition comes. It says an angel, uh, the Lord comes to him in the night and says, do not be afraid. It doesn't say Paul's afraid. But when the message is don't be afraid, I'm assuming he was afraid. Acts 18, 9. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you. I am with you. We need God's presence. It seems that I am constantly rem being reminded that I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, very recently, I went to my dentist, the dentist I've been going to for more than 10 years. But I had a new dental hygienist. This was not a kid. She was telling me she had a daughter in college, so she's that old. But I sit down in the chair. First, she keeps calling me young man. At first, it sounded nice, and then it sounded a little patronizing. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there, and out of nowhere, she says, so what did you do before you retired? Oh. Exactly. Thank you. 
I'm thinking, what? And then I'm thinking, well, it's the middle of the morning on a weekday. I'm dressed casually. So, okay, I guess maybe it's fair to assume. I was Gave me a good opportunity to say, no, I'm a minister. And I got to invite her to church, which she wasn't interested. But anyway, so then she, she's talking some more. and She's looking at my mouth and she says, you have the mouth of a 20 year old. Like that's that's awesome. And she said, that's great when you're about 70 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I started thinking, well, I'm having a birthday the next week. I will be 67. It's not like that's way, way, way far away from 70. Let me give you a piece of advice, a piece of personal relations advice. If you're going to guess somebody's age, go way low. But I do feel it. And it's, it's sort of a bizarre paradox because the older I get, in one sense, the more faith I have, in another sense, the more potential for fear I have. Because honestly, the more I realize how many bad things can happen to you in this life. Look, I'm, I'm not a pessimist by nature, but I've lived long enough to know life is very uncertain. I'm very... Uh, grateful that Mary Lou and I get to be a part of what is called the Elders Service Committee. You know, our fellowship of churches has some different service committees that work together to try to uh, make sure we're doing the things we're supposed to be doing. And uh, we get to be in a group of uh, uh, about uh, six or seven other couples, some of you whom you know, Gloria, Alan, Gloria Baird, and people that I don't feel like I'm peers with or way more spiritual than I. But anyway, it's really interesting because when we have our meetings twice a year, very early, the topics always turn to grandchildren and our maladies. Because everybody's facing stuff we never faced before. And the brothers have to take a lot more bathroom breaks than we used to. I'm just, I'm just being real here. But when I let myself think about it, honestly, the the future can be kind of scary. I know I'm not going to be getting any better looking. I'm not going to be getting any more hair. (laughs) I'm not going to ever be any healthier. But other things as we think about, okay, I think we're set up financially for the rest of our lives. Are we? I don't know. I've always lived by faith. But are we? What, what is our health going to be like? As we, as we have both seen our parents grow old and have definite health challenges and pass away. Some of the, 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 the stresses of life. I love my role in being an elder of the church and working with the region. But some days they're like, I can't take all of this. There are too many problems. Will everybody leave me alone? It's really not a very like Jesus attitude, is it? But as I think about things that are concerning, I never was a worrier. And as we raised our family and as we as we live life and I find myself having a hard time, sometimes not being anxious about things. I've said to Dr. Steve Kennard, who is our teacher for the New York Church, I need you to help me understand how the same man, a 
Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, could say in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything. And to the Corinthians say, I feel daily the, the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Those seem opposite. I think I do understand how they're reconciled. You know, I've always been a glass half full person. But that empty half is looking a little more ominous, I'm telling you. And I know that life is full of losses. You here facing the loss of someone who passed away before his time. And we learn that. I remember when my mother died when I was 11 years old and she was 35. After a year's battle with cancer. And not that many years later, when I was 21, my best friend was killed in an accident. Brian is his namesake, the James part. And uh, you just know life is uncertain. It is just uncertain. The future, the only thing you can be sure about in the future is you can't be sure about it. And that's why Jesus promised, I will be with you always to the end of the age is such a powerful, phenomenal promise. And what I really like about it, obviously, is when I start thinking about things that I can be anxious about. Here's God's promise. And the thing about God's promises is what? He always keeps them. He can keep them. When he says, I'll be with you, he never has to say, oops. You know, I remember teaching our older daughter to ride a bicycle. I sort of remember teaching Brian to ride a bicycle. I think he caught on pretty fast. Our older daughter, I don't know, she wasn't very, I don't know, was five, six, seven years old. And uh, next door to our house was a church building with a parking lot that sloped. You remember that? And it was a good place. <clears throat> it didn't seem to slope too steeply, but we would get over there and I would say, I'm, I'm right here. I'm holding on to the bike. You go. I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. Well, this one day, she got going faster than I could run. And I realized that I wasn't sure we talked about the braking idea. And I watched her go down this parking lot, hit a wall, a bush, go head over heels into the bush. And she's crying and I'm feeling like the world's absolute worst father. I don't know if she... I don't want to bring this up to her. Don't let anybody tell her about this story because she may have issues that need to be dealt with because of that. My heart was in the right place. I wanted to be with her. It just got out of my control. Never happens with God, does it? Never happens with God. There are very practical ways God is with us, aren't there? I mean, this right here is one of them. You know, I've got to get up in the morning and get my cup of coffee and sit in my chair and read the Bible. Or I start thinking like me again. 
and I start getting fearful. I'm telling you, it's freaking me out a little bit because I've never been a fearful person. But I've got to go back to the Bible and get God's heart and not my heart and God's promises and not my concerns. And sometimes I, I found too, again, I appreciate the role that I get to have in the church. Sometimes the more responsibility you have, the more you know, the more you wish you didn't know. The more things there are to be concerned about. We need the Bible. Because it's God's from Genesis to Revelation saying, let me tell you how I am with you. Let me show you what I can do for you. Let me reinforce my promise with so many stories and so many passages. Obviously, he's with us as we pray. Again, there is a connection that's supernatural, isn't there? I mean, God knows what we need before we tell him. And he's a loving father who wants to give us what we need before we ask him. But he wants to hear from us. And there is something about being able to pray. I, there, there's a, a big park, woods, basically, about 10 minutes drive from our house where I go regularly to pray to just walk and walk and walk. And you think you were way, way far away from everything you're not, but surrounded by the trees and, and so many things. And just to, you know, like the psalmist said, be still and know that God is God and that his promises are true and that we can take his promises. Don't you love Philippians 4? And everything by prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving, that's a significant part of it. Present your request to God. And what's going to happen? The peace of God that transcends all our understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. Just talk to me. Be grateful. Tell me all the things you're thinking and feeling and afraid of. I'm with you. I'm going to do things that will astound you. He's with us with the Holy Spirit. We, I, I'm afraid we just don't think and talk enough about the Holy Spirit. But it is, he's such an amazing promise of God. Again, a supernatural power within us that is not necessarily, necessarily something we can feel. It's not something that takes me by the ear and takes me over here. But, but there is a power beyond ourselves. God is saying, I know this is hard sometimes. Yeah, it's a great way to live, but it's hard sometimes. So I'm putting my spirit in you to help you. He's with us in our fellowship with each other, isn't he? If you're a part of this church, I hope you love and appreciate your Christian relationships. Where in the world could we have friendships the way we have? Where we can be completely real and honest and get help and encouragement and sometimes correction when we need it, but support and you don't get that anyplace else. He's with us as we get connected. How is your connection to God? This is about being connected to God. This isn't a general promise for everybody in the world. I mean, God wants it to be. But the promise of God's being with us is for those who've decided to be with him. It's for those who are trying to stay connected to him. 
And in that sense, it's somewhat a conditional promise. I know these people that we read about earlier were all afraid, but they all were determined to try to hang on to God. And as, you know, maybe some of you are studying and thinking about becoming Christians. There are a lot of reasons to become Christians. Look ahead in in Acts chapter 2 for a minute. Acts chapter 2 at what we would call really the first Christian message after the resurrection of Christ. There are a lot of reasons to become Christians. I said a, a moment ago, the fellowship we have. I love the fellowship we have. I love the friendships that I have as a Christian. I love the the peace that we get. I love the purpose that we have for living. I love that there is something to get up for in the morning when we're Christians. There are a lot of sort of fringe benefits and peripheral things that come from being Christians. You know, as only the Bible can, the Holy Spirit through Peter, to me, gives us two basic reasons. When Peter stood up and preached to people, you know, you killed God's son. I don't think this was good news. The gospel good news was not initially good news to them. You killed God's son. I think they were terrified because these were God-fearing people. And they responded. First of all, Peter's conclusion, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied. Most of us can quote this passage. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The first thing we need is forgiveness. I mean, that's the bottom line thing. Christianity is not let me choose this lifestyle over this one because this one seems better and happier and this one's harder. No, 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 no. It's about getting forgiven because we're all guilty of sin and we're lost and we need to be forgiven. And Peter says, first of all, you get forgiveness, but second, you get the Holy Spirit. And that is a, in reality, God saying to us, I will be with you. I am putting my spirit within you so that you can do this. You can live this life. You can make it every step of the way. And when we understand God is with us, I mean, there is a response. In Psalm 18, 118, verse 6. Again, you don't need to turn there because it's just a phrase. But the psalmist has talked about things that people face. And then his conclusion, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can help us at whatever stage in life we find ourselves be confident and courageous and fearless? God's with me. God's with me. Do I feel it all the time? No, that's when I got to go back to the word and pray and my Christian relationship sometimes and the promise that the Holy Spirit lives within us. He comes into our lives when we're baptized so we don't have to be afraid. 
And fear is one of the most powerful emotions that human beings face. Fear will keep us from doing all kinds of things that we could do that God wants us to do. But the solution is Jesus' promise. When he said to these guys, go everywhere in all the world. Wow. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I will be with you. And you know, uh, look at Romans 8 and we'll take communion together in just a moment. Romans chapter 8. It's interesting that back in the Old Testament, when Isaiah started telling the people that a Messiah was going to come. They didn't completely understand it. And even by the time he came, uh, most of them were looking for an earthly king. But when Isaiah described him, he said his name will be Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Isaiah said, the name of God's son coming is going to be God with us. How much does God want us to know that he's with us? He sent his son to be a living example of God's commitment to us. God's saying, you know how much I'm with you? I'll give you the very best that I have. John 3 the only son of God. And that is God's commitment to us that began with the birth of Jesus, continued through his life, the the ultimate culmination on the cross. And you know, in Romans 8, such an amazing, amazing chapter. In verse 31, when Paul writes, what then shall we say in response to this? I wish we had time to go back and talk about the whole chapter, honestly, the whole letter of the things that Paul had been saying about our sonship and the spirits helping us and God's plan. But he says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously Give us all things. What's Paul saying? Do you want to know how much God is committed to taking care of us? He gave us his son to die. So what's he going to withhold? After that, everything is like downhill. God with us means the cross. Now Jesus had already been to it when he said to his 11 apostles in Matthew 28, go to all the world, I'm with you. But if they thought just a minute, they would have realized, you know what? He means what he says. He's been to the cross. And he's overcome death. So what have we to fear? Paul said, God didn't spare his son. He gave him for us. And so he goes on, verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised from the to life. 
is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's a whole other concept about how God is with us that I don't pretend to completely understand, but it's in the Bible there that Jesus is up there saying, you know what? He messed up today, but he's okay. He's on our side. We'll give him another break. Let's help him. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, that is, love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul said, there is nothing that makes Jesus unable or unwilling to be with us. He really sums it up. Nothing in all creation can make Jesus go back on this promise. I'll be with you. Unless, of course, you and I go back on it. As we take communion, you know, Paul says we examine ourselves. And it says we recommit ourselves. And today, the concept Jesus promised to be with us was demonstrated on the cross. He came because that's what we needed. The forgiveness, the spirit that he could give after he had given himself. And so where have we been today? You know what? I, I love being a Christian. Overall, it's the best and easiest way to live. Now, on any given day, it may not be the easiest. Because we're going against the grain of our world. But Jesus said the biggest challenge he'd given to these 11 men who still some of them were kind of confused. It says doubting. All I need you to do is just go around the world and preach to everybody. Okay. <laughs> but I'm with you. Always to the end of the age. And as we take communion, we get to remind ourselves that the cross Emmanuel, God with us, God's love for us, God's plan for us, God's provision for us, God's promise to us. I will be with you. You ever doubt that? Look at the cross. Because that's what he did. And we take the bread and remember his body and we take the cup and reminded that without that blood, there'd be no forgiveness. But Jesus was with us in a way that we needed the most. To be able to receive forgiveness in his spirit. Let's pray. We'll take communion together. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for your promise. Thank you for Jesus' life that he gave for us. Thank you for his willingness to come here to be God in the flesh. Father, thank you for that plan that's so beyond our imagining. For him to go to the cross for us. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have because of it. Thank you for your spirit that lives in us because of the cross, because of uh, our surrendering to you when we're baptized. Fathers, we take the bread. We pray that we really can appreciate what Jesus went through in his body so that we can be forgiven and belong to you. As we take the cup, 
thank you for his blood being given that we have forgiveness of sins. Thank you for this time to remember, reflect. Father, help us to recommit ourselves to you, to recommit ourselves to your promise of being with us and uh, really letting you uh, control us, particularly every day this week as we are committing ourselves to you. Thank you for communion. Thank you for the cross. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 